North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's getting $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Hey everybody, Dr. Low Radio coming at you again. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel. And you know what's funny is um, I'm actually recording this show, pre-recording it, and I'm going to submit it um, for the normal air time. I'm going to a workshop at the normal scheduled time, so I had to pre-record this. It's so funny to me how much longer it takes me to do these shows when I pre-record it because I make weird stutter mistakes and I just say weird things and I stop and I erase it and I start over again. It's like it's less stressful having a live radio show than just recording it while I'm sitting on my bed in my room. It's just funny to me. So yeah, this is like the fourth intro that I've recorded and it's this isn't even that wonderful. <laughs> so whatever. I'm just going to keep recording and this is what I'm going to actually air. Um, let's see here. I'm going to do a Q&A question and answer for you guys who don't know what that is. And I pity you if you don't know what that means. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm getting these questions from the Facebook page. And if you would like to submit questions for future Q&As, please submit some questions. Go to my website, drlaurennoel.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-E-N-N-O-E-L.com, and shoot me a message on there. You know, I get all my emails and I do my best to respond to all of them at some point. And, um, you know, if it's a really, 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 really long health question, I probably won't write back with a really, really, really long health answer. I may shoot it over to the, um, you know, clinic manager for her to, like, have you book an appointment because I can't, I can't really diagnose and treat over, you know, email. Um, but, you know, just quick questions you shoot my way, I, you know, would be happy to answer them on the on the show. And, um, you know, for a lot of you guys who live out in rural areas and don't have any holistic doctors in your area, you're a perfect person to work with me. You know, we can get you scheduled and I can go through your whole whole health history and just help you kind of figure out what's going on. We can run tests and, um, you know, it's me not actually treating you technically, but it's nutritional counseling and it's us working together and figuring out some answers. So um, I'd be happy to help you with that if you haven't been able to find someone in your area. Uh, I'd say probably half my patients are out of state at this point. So, um, you know, it's really no limitations for the most part by you living far away from me. Of course, I love to see your beautiful shining faces. But, you know, not everyone can just hop on a plane and come see me at my office. Uh, Let's see. I am totally rambling. Uh, Let's see. I don't know if there's any little business things to take care of. I have some shows coming up I'm super excited about. I am going to be doing a show on Your Brain on Gluten with Dr. Thomas O'Brien. I know he's going to be the first three-time guest on the show, but he's so wonderful. Gosh, I love Dr. O'Brien. He's just like the coolest dude, the smartest dude, and so fun to listen to. It's like the trifecta. Let's see, so we're going to be doing your brain on gluten. I'm going to do some shows on women's health coming up. I'm also getting a lot of questions from uh, prospective 
ND students. And, you know, I feel really honored. A lot of you guys listen to the show and you get really inspired by this topic of naturopathic medicine and then you want to pursue a career in it. So it's so exciting. I love getting messages like that. And I'm going to do a show on, so you want to be a naturopathic doctor. And I'll give you some tips of what I recommend to do before applying to naturopathic medical school. And um, I'm going to interview some NDs who practice very differently and give you different perspectives of if you want to go the research route, if you want to practice a a particular uh, specialty like maybe cancer or maybe like sports medicine. Um, And then if you want to, you know, do homeopathy or, you know, maybe herbal medicine. There's so many ways you can specialize your your, um, career in naturopathic medicine. You don't have to practice like I do. I just do what I think is really cool, and I kind of sort of a jack-of-all-trades, but mostly I like to talk about poop, so let's be real. So, yeah, so those kind of shows are coming up, and um, please, you know, send me your feedback, and you guys, I would really, 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 really love it if you would leave some reviews on iTunes. I don't know exactly how to leave reviews on iTunes. I know you can give me five stars if you think I'm five stars worthy. But for some reason, when I see reviews on iTunes, I get super, super excited. Like, I read all of them. I check it on my phone, like, probably once a week to see who's leaving comments. I don't get a lot of comments. I think it's kind of complicated to leave comments on iTunes. But if you somehow figure out how to do five stars and leave a comment, please do that because that would make me very, very, very happy. Let's hop to it. Okay, so let's do a health q and I'm going to pull some questions from Facebook, and uh, here we go. All right, so our first question is coming from Brianna, and she says, can you talk about anemia? My ferritin level is at four, and I eat a healthy primal diet. My doc says it's probably due to a heavy menstrual cycle. So if it is, is there a natural way to decrease the severity of my periods? Or maybe it could be gut-related. I am gluten-sensitive and have had many UTIs before going gluten-free. Maybe all the antibiotics caused some gut dysfunction and malabsorption. I'm at a dead end with my medical doctor. Okay, Brianna, thank you so much for your question, and I really hear your frustration. You're really, really smart, um, and you're kind of spinning around in a lot of different directions. And your questions, I would... Really, I think you're on the right track with the with your thought process. Um, there's so many ways to go with it, though. So I do think that it's going to be important to work with someone who's, who can kind of guide you through this with the same philosophy because it seems like your philosophy and your medical doctor is not the same. You guys are speaking two different languages. Um, first of all, your ferritin, for you guys who don't know that that's the storage form of iron, is like the lowest I've ever seen. Your ferritin is so, so low. I don't know how you're out of bed right now. Um, ferritin is is important because, you know, that shows how much storage of iron you have. Iron is attached to oxygen within the, the red blood cells, and so with that comes energy. Without enough iron, you can't have enough oxygenation, and you really can't get better from much of anything if you don't have enough iron. You know, iron is kind of the, the, the golden... Goldilocks kind of phenomenon. Too little isn't so good. Too much isn't so good. You want to have it just right. And um, so first thing, Brianna, for you, I would strongly recommend to find a doctor who can get you on some iron shots or some iron intravenous therapies because it being as low as four 
is going to be really, really, really hard to turn it around, especially doing oral treatment like, um, you know, supplements or, you know, iron capsules or even a liquid iron. It, it'll be tough. The amount you'd have to do to get it turned around, you'll probably get pretty constipated with that. Um, that's just my opinion. Other docs may disagree, but that's what I think when I've seen in my experience. In my experience, a level that low or close to that low would probably take three months-ish to turn around with some iron shots. Um, even some IVs I think would be good. But it would be important to start really, really low because you might actually have a sensitivity to it. I've actually done allergy elimination um, clearings. I do what's called NAET. It's the N stands for a really, really long um, Indian name that I have a hard time pronouncing. I think it's uh, Nabudrapad, I want to say. N-A-E-T. The A is allergy, E is elimination, the T is technique. So um, it could be that you have an energetic allergy to iron and you cannot absorb it. I know it sounds super woo-woo, super out there, but I've seen it. And after doing an allergy elimination clearing, your body can then, it's kind of like pressing the reset button, it allows your body to then accept iron. Beyond that, a few things important for the absorption of iron. One is stomach acid. If you're hypochlorhydric, which is low stomach acid, you will not absorb your iron. There's other ways to absorb more iron, like having high vitamin C foods with your meals, like, for example, red bell peppers, Brussels sprouts, strawberries. Those are high vitamin C foods, way more than oranges, as we normally think of. So without the stomach acid, the enzymes, you won't absorb it. So just kind of going back to absorption. And because you know you have gluten sensitivity, Brianna, and you've been eating gluten probably for a long time before you were diagnosed, then you likely have leaky gut, in which case you wouldn't make the enzymes to absorb iron anyway, most likely. So another reason why I think doing iron shots or IVs would be important to bypass that whole issue, get the absorption in, and then once you have the iron levels back up, then you have one of those important health-promoting factors there to help help you to get better from what else is going on. So that's the, the leaky gut and the iron piece. Um, your other question, is there a natural way to decrease the severity of your periods? You know, I've actually seen this in my experience, and this is super strange. I don't know how it happens exactly, but when you get the the anemia turned around, the periods get lighter which you would think would be the other way around. You get the periods lighter, and then the iron levels go up. But I've actually seen it the other way around, too. So, And I know that also from my own experience. I know when I turned my anemia around, my periods got lighter, too. Sorry if that's FYI, or it's not TMI, I guess I should say. Sorry if that's TMI, but I'm kind of real, and I like to share about my own health stuff. So um, that may take care of itself. The more you get your iron levels turned around, maybe one way that happens is because we do know that menstrual irregularities can come along with thyroid dysfunction. And an important mineral you need in order for your thyroid to work optimally is iron. So if you're super anemic, your thyroid is not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to make T3 from T4, which T3 is the active usable form of thyroid hormone. So without enough of the iron, you can't convert it to T3, which can then, you know, indirectly uh, result in menstrual regularities. So that's the, you know, the ferritin thyroid connection. 
And other ways to decrease the severity of periods, you probably want to get your hormones checked out to make sure you have, you know, sufficient progesterone. Oftentimes, I don't know how old you are, Brianna, but judging based on your Facebook picture, you're quite young. We do see estrogen dominance happen a lot around your age and or progesterone deficiency. So I would probably check that out. Uh, let's see what else about your question. I think that's enough information for now. But, you know, if your medical doctor doesn't speak your language, fire him. Get someone who speaks your language who can help you through this. Maybe you need a naturopathic doctor or a holistically-minded medical doctor. So I would check out acam.org, A-C-A-M.org. Those are, you know, integrative doctors or naturopathic.org to find a naturopathic doctor in your area or give me a call and let's figure out what's going on. Okay, on to the next one. This next question comes from, let's see, from Jefferson. And Jefferson writes, could you briefly speak about weight loss regarding males versus females on the paleo diet? I notice all my male friends drop weight fast going paleo, but my women friends seem to take longer. Is this a hormonal issue? Yes, this is a hormonal issue, very much so. And it really comes down to the difference in the physiological effects of testosterone versus estrogen. And higher protein can be processed better with higher testosterones and in a, in a woman you know those high levels of testosterone just don't really exist as they do in a man and so higher proteins are or protein diets i should say are not processed the same way so the protein can actually be turned into fat if it's not burned completely or utilized and so for my female patients on the paleo diet, I have them do less protein and actually more fat. That tends to work a little better. And if that tends to be too many calories, and I hate using the awful C word, I usually don't use the word calories. But here's the deal. I mean, fat has a ton of calories compared to protein and carbs. And if you're doing a lot, a lot, a lot of fat, and you're still getting calories from other sources as well, you can just be packing on a crap ton of calories, and if you're not burning it, then that can still result in weight gain. So, you know, it kind of just depends on individuals. Not all women are created equal, and so they have to kind of mess with ratios of fats. But in general, I have most of my paleo patients go more on a plant-based paleo, doing lots of veggies, you know, a little bit of fruit, and not so much protein, kind of moderate to low protein, and a good amount of fat. Um, a lot of ladies who I see have hypoglycemia or insulin resistance, and so cutting out the carbs and kind of playing with the ratios of proteins and fat seems to work best. But yes, I have seen that, Jefferson, that when the ladies do too much protein, it can turn into um, difficulty losing weight. Next question comes from Ashley, and Ashley writes, Hi, Dr. Lowe. I love your show so much. Thank you so much, Ashley. How do you feel about iodine supplementation, specifically Lugol Solution 2%? I follow a paleo diet, eat no processed foods and no iodized salt, and I'm a little worried about not getting enough. My mother has Hashimoto's disease, but I have yet to be diagnosed with any thyroid disorder. Labs come back normal every time. I would love to hear your thoughts. Okay, so Ashley, first of all, I want to make sure the Hashimoto's has adequately been ruled out for you. 
Um, first off, you want to make sure the right antibodies are being tested. So in order to rule out Hashimoto's, you need to get your whole panel of thyroid labs done. So TSH, free T3, free T4, and anti-TPO antibody and anti-thyroglobulin binding antibody, anti-TGB thyroglobulin antibody. Um, if those are all in the clear, then I think we can safely say you're good. Now they can show up positive years down the line, as I've seen it with certain patients. I know that happened for my mother. And um, so just want to, you know, I'd recommend every probably five years, get your antibodies rechecked, just double check. My philosophy is I always prefer to have food as medicine. And so if you can get iodine in your seaweed and, you know, dietary sources, I would recommend that versus taking, you know, a solution of iodine. Um, unless it's done under the guidance of a doctor, I would probably hold off on doing Lugol's iodine. Lugol's is pretty concentrated, and if it's done in a little bit too much, it can even worsen the thyroid. It can burn it out with too much iodine. So do your sea snacks, you know, have it from seaweed and seafood and get it that way instead. So, you know, I love sea snacks. Sea snacks are delicious. I can eat them like chips. You want to do some seaweed maybe, you know, once or twice a week, you should be in the clear. Um, I wouldn't put yourself on an iodine supplement. It's true that iodine is amazing. It's amazing for treating and preventing fibrocystic breast disease. Um, you know, we know that iodine deficiency obviously can result in thyroid disorders. Um, but again, if you're getting it from food sources, you should be in the clear. Okay, next question is from Kaza. Kaza writes, I'm having allergy symptoms for the first time, hay fever-like. Can the change to a gluten-free, sugar-free, mostly primal-slash-paleo-ish diet, I love that, mostly primal-slash-paleo-ish diet, still eat Still eat dairy and some legumes, potatoes and rice. Um, can this trigger seasonal allergies for some reason? Thanks. So first of all, Kaza, you know, you're still eating some foods that can be allergy-related. So, you know, dairy and legumes. So I would cut those out first, like go like a solid 30 days on a real strict paleo diet and see if you still have some allergy symptoms. Because I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It might not be that the paleo diet, paleo-ish diet you're doing is causing this, but that there's still some lingering foods that are causing irritation for you. Um, with that said, if you're really going full out paleo and still having some allergy symptoms, it could be that you're eating more inflammatory kind of foods in within the confines of a paleo diet. You know, if you're going crazy on meat, and not doing many vegetables, and you're not getting it from good sources, you know, you could be causing more inflammatory compounds in your body. And yeah, that could potentially cause more allergy-ish kind of symptoms. So, you know, pay attention to quality, you know, real anti-inflammatory kind of sources. So fish and, you know, making sure to get real good quality sources of cows and pigs and whatever animals you're eating, making sure they're healthy sources, and go nuts on some of the anti-inflammatory things, you know, like turmeric and, um, 
you know, doing maybe some fish oil in higher amounts and do some antihistamine kind of herbs like, um, you know, nettles and, uh, you know, maybe some quercetin and bromelain and some of those, you know, real anti-inflammatory naturopathic kind of allergy treatment options. But, you know, keep in mind that the same kind of tissues that line your digestive tract also line your sinuses. So that's why certain foods, you eat them and you get the sniffles because it's the same kind of tissue. So the more you address the gut, the more indirectly that will likely address the sinuses. Um, do I think a strict paleo diet can cause allergy symptoms when it's done in a healthy way? I haven't seen that be the case. I've actually seen it um, do the opposite. So. Those are my two cents. Okay, Jenny writes, I am low in the three sex hormones. I think she's specifically referring to, okay, yes. I use bioidentical progesterone and testosterone creams and estradiol vaginal cream, which estradiol is the most potent form of estrogen for you guys who aren't familiar. I am 41. I'm physically active, normal weight, and still menstruate. Uh, what could cause my levels to be so low? I have eaten a stellar paleo diet for the past two years, but the 15 years prior, I ate a low-fat, low-calorie diet. Oh, Jenny, I'm so sorry. It sounds super frustrating, and it sounds like you've done your homework. You have some, you know, you're on some good forms of hormones, them being bioidentical. Um, I am wondering if you've had your levels checked to make sure that they're in good you know, good parameters and it's all being managed properly. So what would cause your levels to be so low? So many things. I mean, geez, eating a real, real low fat, low calorie diet for 15 years, that will certainly do it. We know that the building blocks for hormones are cholesterol. You know, so if you're just ridding your body of cholesterol then that could potentially affect your body's own endogenous production of sex hormones. So that's one issue, not making the building blocks to make the hormones. And, you know, of course, we've talked about adrenal stress to exhaustion. We've exhausted the adrenal exhaustion topic, but it's still very much true adrenal stress we know can definitely affect the body's production of sex hormones. And one other phenomenon that I'm seeing a lot and I know is popping up in the research a lot is we know autoimmune diseases are very much on the rise and can affect virtually any body tissue. The ovaries included in that as a possibility. So, you know, if you've looked at all different kinds of possibilities with the reason why your your body isn't making the sex hormones, possibly look into that. You know, maybe your body's making antibodies to your own ovaries. It's not like you just have one hormone that's off, according to your question. I mean, you're low in all three, and ovaries are certainly a part of making those sex hormones. So I would, um, you know, it's the, the main key player in making those sex hormones. So check it out. I run Cyrex lab testing for my patients where I'm suspecting autoimmune diseases. You can check them out at CyrexLabs.com. That's C-Y-R-E-X Labs.com. They are really the leading 
allergy lab testing um, company, and I only use them for gluten testing, as long as you're eating gluten. If you are completely gluten-free, it's not the very best lab to go through just because they do test antibodies. So in that case, if you are not eating gluten and you want to test for gluten sensitivity, then I test your Entero labs usually for the genetic um, testing. But Cyrix Array 5 is the one you want to look at, Jenny. That's the one that tests all the different antibodies to various body tissues, which includes ovaries. So I would recommend to get that checked out, um, especially if all your other possibilities have been looked at. Thanks for your question. Okay, so next up is a question coming from Jennifer, and Jennifer writes, what is your opinion about Great Lakes beef gelatin? I'm pretty sure it comes from grass-fed cows, and I've heard it's a great natural anti-ager as it's good for your skin and prevents wrinkles. Do you think this is healthy? Thanks. Jennifer, yeah, I would say that Beef gelatin in general is wonderful. I'm not super familiar with Great Lakes specifically as a brand, but I am a gelatin freak. I That's exactly why I love bone broth, because of its high level of gelatin. And gelatin in general is researched for many different health effects. Um, you know, we know that gelatin is valuable, invaluable really for cartilage and bone strength, but also, the digestive tract, it helps to heal up the gut, the skin. I mean, you know, it provides all the healthy building blocks for glowing skin and for hair and nails and strong immune system, heart and muscle health. So gelatin is where it's at. I was um, looking on Facebook the other day and I saw Haley, soon to be Haley Staley, um, um, one of the authors from uh, the new book Gather, which is an amazing new paleo book, and I was seeing some photos that they were taking of their homemade Jello using bone broth, um, and I just thought that was genius. I never even thought of doing that. So I get to take my total addiction for gummy things. I mean, I'm a gummy bear fanatic and have a healthier version, so I'm going to give that a try and switch out with some uh, healthy bone broth gelatin. So maybe try that. That might be something that will give you a little fix too, Jennifer. But yeah, I'm a big fan of gelatin, and uh, maybe Great Lakes should send me some so I can endorse it. Okay, next question comes from Danielle, and she writes, I found out about five months ago that I'm gluten intolerant, and I cut out dairy as well as gluten because I wasn't sure if that was bothering me too. My system was very inflamed. I no longer have the GI inflammation and such that goes along with being gluten intolerant. I would like to try adding dairy back into my diet because it may or may not have been contributing to my issues. How should I go about this, Danielle? Danielle, this is a really great question and this is a really, really common question I think that people would probably ask. Um, so here's the thing. You're gluten intolerant. I don't really know the extent of how damaged your your gut got, your gut got from gluten. So um, the very best way to know would be to do some testing to see if you have leaky gut still. And if you still do, I would also recommend to have some food sensitivity tests done. You know, you may have issues with dairy and you might not actually know it. You might not necessarily feel it as well. 
and there could be some damage going on that you don't know about. We know that the villi that lines the intestines can become damaged, very much so from consuming gluten if you are sensitive to it. And with that loss of the intestinal integrity, so can it compromise your ability to digest various foods, and dairy is one of them because you can no longer make lactose, or excuse me, lactase to break down the lactose. And moreover than that, you could be sensitive to more than just the sugar in dairy, but actually casein. So it kind of is, it ties into one of the previous questions that I answered of Cyrex Labs. I feel like I pimped them out like freaking drugs, but sorry, bad joke. Um, Cyrex Labs, they also run a, a gut permeability test, which is called a Ray 2. Sorry, a Ray 2. I would recommend Danielle to get a Ray 2 done to see if you have leaky gut, as well as a Ray 4. Array 4 is a cross-reactive um, sensitivity panel. And this is perfect for people like you who go gluten-free and, you know, you feel good, but there could be some other sensitivities lingering that may cause similar effects that gluten does in your body when you consume them. So, for example, let's say people go gluten-free, they cut out, you know, anything with gluten in it, but then they'll go crazy on, you know, I don't know, tapioca powder or they go crazy on rice powder or, you know, quinoa or foods like that. Well, you could be reacting to those foods in a similar way that you might react to gluten without actually eating gluten. And so this panel will test for that. On this panel, there's also dairy and specifically casomorphines. These are some compounds in dairy that can be very addicting. So I would just recommend just to check and see I mean, you, of course, could just eat dairy and see how you feel, but there, to have that full, um, you know, peace of mind to know that you're not going to unravel some of the damage that you've, you know, healed up, I would just double check and, um, you know, check with your doctor if they'll run those labs. If not, let me know and I'll run them for you. All right, my dear, let me know how it goes. Okay, this question is from, I will leave it anonymous just because it's kind of might be a more personal question. Um, so when you had a guest on about problems women have, I was really hoping to hear an opinion about what could be causing lichen sclerosis. My gynecologist did not diagnose it. I looked up my symptoms and thought this fits. So I went to a dermatologist and he confirmed, um, they say it's rare, but the forum I found says otherwise. If you could say something about this, I would really appreciate it. And I know I will not be alone. Thank you for your podcast. I love it. So thank you for the compliment, and yes, lichen sclerosis is not completely uncommon and can be really debilitating. From what we know about lichen sclerosis is there is an autoimmune component to it, Carlene. I don't know if you knew this. I'm sure, if, you know, looking at all your um, research that you've been doing that you probably know this, but if not, you know, educate yourself about what contributes to autoimmune conditions. In, in the naturopathic realm, you know, generally we see all autoimmune diseases starting in the digestive tract with leaky gut, you know, causing the, the inflammation that then results in an imbalance in the immune system. And there's, you know, it's more complicated than that technically, but, but you know, this is just one way that autoimmune disease shows up. And for you, it happens to affect your vagina. And for those of you who don't know what lichen sclerosis is, 
it's a condition of the skin that can create um, white patches that um, also can um, have the skin more uh, sensitive and um, lose its elasticity. And it can happen in younger women. It can happen in older women. We do know that menopausal women can have this even more so because of the drop in estrogen. So estrogen is as I've said before, a hormone that, that plumps things up and juices things up, and that's why when ladies go through menopause, they tend to get vaginal dryness. Well, estrogen also has the skin plumping, you know, has a plumping sense, uh, effect to it. So when estrogen drops, it can change the tissue of, of the vaginal region, and um, so not necessarily that there's a causal relationship where drop in estrogen causes lichen sclerosis, but rather that there's a correlation there. Um also, too, naturopathic treatments for this, Carlene, is a few that I have looked up. You know, I haven't treated this much in my practice, but I also don't have a gynecology specialty. So, you know, there's some really great naturopathic doctors who specialize in gynecology. I've had Carrie Jones on the show. She's amazing. We had a show in previous um months, I think it was maybe probably six months ago, called How to Have a Healthy Vagina. We didn't talk specifically about lichen sclerosis, but um, get some other good vagina tips on that. And, um, you know, treatment-wise, some some things to consider. Uh, one is topical uh, vitamin B5. There's a, there is a um, formula by a company called Scientific Botanicals. It's called Panthedex. It's P-A-N-T-H-E-D-E-X. And that's a blend of topical panthenol, which is vitamin B5, chamomile, and licorice. And just anecdotally, I've heard from a few docs this has worked well for their patients. Um, there's also a non-steroidal herbal anti-inflammatory cream called Florisone, F-L-O-R-A-S-O-N-E. That's worth giving a try. And then also, too, I would... I would have your doctor run your hormones and look and see, you know, how is your estrogen, how is your progesterone, how is your testosterone. Some docs um, recommend using, you know, topical estrogen or even topical testosterone to that area with good results. And then another uh, possibility is using vitamin D and also zinc cream to that region. We know vitamin D topically can be really effective for psoriasis, which is also an autoimmune condition. Um, so those are some ideas. Good luck with that, and let me know how it goes. Okay, the next question is coming from Amy, and she writes, what do you think is the most effective way to test hormones? I was diagnosed as estrogen dominant through blood testing, but treatment wasn't doing anything. I started seeing a new doctor who only believes in using saliva for hormone testing. I just finished a test that took saliva samples at various times through my cycle. Is that going to get me the most reliable answers about my hormones? So this is a really great question, Amy, and it's really confusing for many people about how to have their hormones tested because there's many ways. There's a blood spot. There's a blood draw. There's urine. There's saliva. And I think the only way there's not a way to test hormones is in your poop, but that's probably because we haven't figured it out yet. Um, I do the same kind of testing. I test through the saliva for initial hormone testing for most patients. And I do that because I also like to look at adrenal hormones as well. And so that tests cortisol throughout the day. So I do a four collection. Um, I use BioHealth. There's many labs out there that use, you know, 
actually, I've been using diagnostics lately, but I also use BioHealth. You can test through Genova. You can test through, I mean, there's so many different companies that test hormones. Um, and I like to see what the adrenals are looking like as well as the sex hormones. So that's what I do. You can also test through urine. Um, Meridian Valley is a great lab to test your urine hormones. I don't do that. It's very, very, very expensive. And it doesn't give me the whole picture. So I like to actually use saliva for that reason. Um, and then also, you know, you can have blood tested through, sorry, hormones tested through the blood. I usually test through the blood once a patient is on hormones. Once they're on hormones, you can't really test through the saliva again because their results are just through the roof and it's not a reliable measure. So once I have a patient on hormones, if she needs to be on hormones, then I will monitor that through the blood work. So I think your doctor's doing a great job. I don't know, you're saying your treatment wasn't doing anything. I'm not sure what the treatment was, so I can't really say if I think it's a good treatment or not. <laughs> um, so I might need a little more information about that. Um, so it sounds like your doctor's doing a good job. Now, estrogen dominance is a complicated you know, scenario. There can be so many things that can cause estrogen dominance. So it could be you know, exogenous estrogens, maybe from the environment, like chemicals or body care products, um, you know, food, having, you know, pesticides in your food, we know that can up the estrogen um, in the body, the xenoestrogens, I should say. And and there could be progesterone deficiency. Maybe you're not making enough nutrients or you're not consuming enough nutrients to make your progesterone. Or, um, you know, you could have adrenal dysfunction that's pulling from your sex hormones. And, you know, all these are possibilities. So, I would, um, you know, send me, shoot me over some more information, and if um, if it's more than what I can handle, then let's get you scheduled and we can do a little digging. Um, the second part of your question I will read just because I think it's important for um, other ladies too. So you said, also, I recently lost about 15 pounds, and my cycle this month suddenly went from a normal four to five days to 13 days and counting. So when you say your cycle, I'm assuming that means your period has gone from four or five days to 13 days. My gynecologist thinks it could be related to losing weight, but is willing to do an ultrasound to rule out cysts or fibroids. Uh, could this be from losing weight, or could it be a sign of PCOS? Someone suggested pre-menopause, but I'm only 37, and I would think that would be indicated by a shortening of the periods, not lengthening. Um, okay, so there's a lot of little pieces to this question. Uh, regarding the cycles, when you're going through premenopause or perimenopause, I think is what you're referring to, your cycles can be shorter or longer. It just really depends on the woman. You know, some ladies, they bleed for, you know, a month or two and just keep bleeding. Other ones, they'll, they'll skip periods. So it really just depends on you. And could this be a sign of PCOS with the long periods? Not necessarily. The, the signs of PCOS are the follows high levels of androgens or signs of high androgens. So either you have high testosterone or high DHEA or you have, you know, hair growth on the face or you're getting male pattern baldness or you're getting acne. So those kind of things as well as menstrual irregularities. So you could have longer cycles. Typically we see longer cycles with that, but not necessarily. And, um, and ovulation. So ladies don't always know if they're not ovulating um, the best way would be to, you know, get some lab work from your doc to see if that's happening or not. And, you know, so the, having longer periods, that wouldn't make me automatically think PCOS. You have to kind of look at the, the full picture and see what else could be going on. Um, so I don't know the answer to that, why, why your period is all of a sudden longer. 
I would have your doctor, you know, look at your hormones, see if they're balanced out, look at your adrenals, and, you know, if those things aren't making sense, if they're not matching up with your symptoms, then, yeah, I do think an ultrasound would probably be a great idea. We do know that some fibroids can cause more, you know, um, bleeding, so it's, uh, you know, I'm all for doing more tests than less just because I would like to kind of see the whole picture, so... It's a jumbled answer, but hopefully that gives you a little bit of a little bit of my perspective. Man, I am running up to the end of the show. I'm going to take one more question, and uh, for the other questions that were submitted, I'm sorry I wasn't able to get to your questions. I will um, put those in my little grab bag for my next Q and A show. And for all of you guys who would like to submit a question, please go ahead and uh, send a message to um, the Facebook page, which is facebook.com/slash Dr. Noel. And you can always send me a message through my website, drlaurennoel.com. And this last question comes from, I have no idea how to pronounce this. I want to say it's Orguidia. Orguidia. If I'm totally butchering your name, I'm so sorry. (laughs) The question is, is there a natural way to cure nail fungus? So the thing with nail fungus is, and with all things naturopathic medicine, is we're always looking at the root cause and looking at the full picture. So... If you're having recurrent nail fungus, you want to look at the whole body. I mean, is there potentially some sort of fungal infection within the body? Of course, I go back to the gut. You know, do you have gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea? Do you crave sugar like a crack fiend? Potentially, there could be something going on in the gut with a fungal infection. So how do I cure nail fungus? I would look at the gut and see if you have gut fungus or gut yeast. So that's number one. Um... Treatments to apply to the nail, I'm a huge fan of neem oil. That's N-E-E-M oil. It smells like crazier than garlic. It's very strong smelling, but it does have some pretty potent, you know, antifungal properties. Um, Tea tree oil uh, is another option. You know, I'm a huge fan of essential oils as well. So melaleuca, um, which is tea tree oil, you can use it as an essential oil, or you can get, you know, different preparations from Whole Foods or health food stores and try that topically. And if that's not doing the trick for you, then I would um, have you call your doc and see if they can maybe do a compounded formula for you. I know that I've used with patients compounded fluconazole cream with DMSO and ibuprofen. It's a nail polish. So I'll the patient cut down their nail as much as they can and just apply it a couple times a day. And it really kills nail fungus really, really well. You won't necessarily see results until the nail grows out fresh but it works like a charm. So that's another idea as well. Maybe your doc can compound that for you from a pharmacy. Best of luck. Hopefully your toes are gorgeous in no time. All right, party people, that concludes tonight's show, Dr. Low Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in and for your questions and your comments and just listening. It just means the world to me. I love doing these shows. So thanks for allowing me to do what I love. Have a wonderful rest of your week and I will check you next week. All right, you guys take care. Bye. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. 
Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.